Cool. Okay. So I'm going to start recording, um, and I'll give a clap. I'll give a short introduction, and then I have a few notes, but I'd rather not refer to them if I can. Um, but okay. they're more just like. Should make it really difficult for him. Ollie Switch and Ed Hicks made it so difficult, man. Like I was, I'd ask them a question, like, no, we can't talk about that yet. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just going to answer. Uh, like, I'm just going to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? That's a stupid. Yeah, that that, that that actually triggers me. I'm afraid. So. <laughs> cool. Sweet. So you guys comfy? Yes. You ready? Cool. All right. I'll do a clap and then I'll do a little introduction and then we can <clears throat> start talking. Sweet. So, hey guys, welcome again to the next episode of the Wars Can Talk podcast. This month I have James Shooter. Shoots. <laughs> and uh, Frankie Strand. Hello. How's it going, guys? Good, thanks Very for having well, us. Thank you. Um, so, I wanted to sort of split the discussion today into kind of two ideas, because uh, I was looking at your guys' online presence, and it struck me that you're both like commercial artists you know like you you work for a living making art but you're also both very active like artists just for the joy of it um so i kind of wanted to approach it from both of those things and how you find that like work-life balance kind of thing um but first do you guys want to just introduce yourselves a little bit and say what you do and who you are and that kind of thing uh so i I guess I would describe myself as an illustrator and street artist. Illustration was what I studied, so that came first, and gradually kind of got into bigger stuff and started spray painting. Um, that's kind of how I got my recognition in London, which helped me build a career painting. And now I will do a range of things. For money. <laughs> <laughs> For money, that's always the key thing. Um, and so are you, are you quite formally educated in the arts or is it a, a self-taught kind of profession? Um, I have a degree in illustration and graphic design, but learning to spray paint and do stuff big scale was just like self, self-taught. What, what was the motivating factor for you to um, move in, to transition into that world of uh, street art and spray paint? I remember just looking up street art all the time. I used to follow blogs and just found it really interesting and inspiring and like quite out of reach and then someone was like you can do anything if you like believe in yourself which kind of stuck with me and I sort of took that quite literally and started painting and believing in myself and yeah got here. Nice, I haven't looked back. No. So, and shoots, what's your background? Um, so I was always always into drawing and art um, from a very young age and then had a kind of shitty, had a really, really great teacher at school when I was younger, who's very encouraging and I owe a lot to, introduced me to some amazing artists. And then I had a kind of not so great teacher at college and it kind of disheartened me and I quit art for a long, long time um, and got into other things. I got really into making music and study film and then um, slowly got back into art about three years ago. And then, yeah, I've been taking it seriously for about three, three and a half years now. And yeah, I love it again. And it's, uh, yeah, um, just trying to learn and get better, trying to figure out my uh, process, my style. And uh, it's been, yeah, amazing the last few years meeting other artists and in the scene and learning from them and um, yeah, learning how to paint on streets and stuff. It's been great. Nice man, what was the kind of trigger that um, brought you back into, or moved you away from like film and music and stuff? Well, I kind of, um, a lot of my friends were saying I should get back into it, they're like, why don't you do your art? I, was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and a lot of my friends every time I said that said, why don't you do your art? And everyone tells you you can't make money from art and that it's, you'd be an idiot for trying to be an artist and I was like yeah, yeah, yeah. and I could I think the main thing was at the time I was doing uh, very detailed black and white doodles that look great when they're finished but were not that fun to actually draw and it was very easy to just put them down and not come back to them because they were so detailed and so big so I, I realized that I wasn't enjoying my process and I was trying to figure out a way to make art fun again and then I was actually 
living uh, in Sydney on Bondi Beach, where they have a ton of murals all over the uh, beachfront wall. And I was passing all the street art, and I thought, oh, that'd be fun. It, maybe it'd be quite fun to like paint on the street or paint something big. Maybe that would help me get over my perfectionism. Maybe that would be fun again. And so I gave it a go, and I loved it. And that was it. I was kind of hooked. Um, I enjoyed the interaction with the public. I enjoyed the pressure. You know, you've only got like so long to, you have to finish, you know, because of daylight or two days, three days max. And uh, it, you know, if you make a mistake, you just got to keep going. You can't just throw it in the bin because it's a wall. And uh, that kind of got me over the uh, being too precious about things and uh, forced me to finish stuff. And that was it really. It yeah, just, I suppose it's quite an unforgiving format really. Like it's on display for everyone to see like warts and all kind of thing but I think that's what I needed like I think if left alone with a giant sheet of paper I just overanalyze it and kind of pick it to pieces and then just give up on it before I ever finished it whereas yeah this this medium allowed me to finish stuff which there's something more rewarding I think as well about finishing something that's like larger than life like it's a different different reward isn't it definitely and also like interacting with the public as well kind of it's very lonely sitting hunched over a desk drawing or painting or whatever and mm. having immediate feedback from people and people not, not just art people but you know anyone coming to you and saying oh wow what's that and you missed a bit yeah yeah this, those, <laughs> the, the same three jokes like you missed a bit are you banksy yeah you're not banksy are you and uh what's the other one can you come and paint my bedroom Oh, no, I haven't had that one yet. Well, what is the third one? Because there, there are the things you always hear. It will come screen. to me. It will come to me. There's another one. You missed a bit, definitely. Like I've, I've, when I paint with other artists, we have a bet on what time that's going to <laughs> yeah. get said. But, um, How long you can last. No, the, the thing, when I did the first one in Australia, it was black and white because I, I didn't have spray paint, so it's just uh, Posca paint pens. And uh, all the Aussies were like, you going to colour it in? And I just got that like every two seconds. <laughs> like, it's nice, man. You going to colour it in? And I was like, nah black and white but yeah quite often I'll get like what's it gonna be and I'm like can't you tell or what does it mean or what it, yeah what does it mean that's the other ones uh -huh. what's the meaning behind this like nah no meaning I'm afraid just visuals just visuals so I mean you both um not to like tarnish you with the same brush or whatever <laughs> but you both have an arguably quite cartoon style to your work is it something that predates your muralism or is it something that you developed to paint murals? That's a good question. I'd say for me it kind of came out of using spray paints and the kind of bold lines that emerged from that. I found outlining things in black with a white key line really made things pop and on a wall it really helps, you know, if you've got like a brick texture and then you paint an animal, it really stands out so much more for doing that. But it's actually something I'd quite like to graduate away from. I, I sort of feel more drawn to slightly more sophisticated artwork that isn't quite so cartoony. But at the same time, on walls, I think it kind of works well. So somewhere in between, I'd like to keep my style. Uh, yeah, for me, I, like I said, I started drawing, most of my style before I started painting walls was just black and white. I just fill a page with ink and I like the contrast between black and white and that's all I did. So my first few murals were the same, they were just Posca paint pens against a white prime wall. And as I tried to gravitate towards spray paint, um, I was obviously really, really bad at it. And uh, the safest bet was to keep it simple. And uh, yeah, block colors was, yeah, was kind of you know, the obvious choice to slowly transition my stuff from black and white into color. But like Frankie said, I'm definitely starting to want to experiment with, you know, highlights, shadows, tones, more tones, and just, yeah, try and soften it a little bit. Um, I feel like your work's become way more layered as you've gone on. Like, it's gone from quite simple things to, like, yeah, some of the stuff I've seen has become really intricate. Yeah, for sure. I want to kind of not repeat myself, and I want to kind of keep pushing yeah. it. Um, one thing I definitely want to do is... Um, like you were saying about black outlines is the reason I use black outlines for so long as well was I, I, unlike you I can't really until recently I couldn't outline with spray paint I was just terrified to do it so I'm still using Poscas but as I'm getting more confident I want to start using you know a darker shade of whatever the the body of the yeah. character is because um, I just think it's a nicer look if I was do, doing something digital all my outlines would be color um, 
So as I get better with spray paint, it's something I definitely want to kind of move away from. Not necessarily move away from. I'm, I love cartoony stuff. Like um, one of my biggest influences when I was a kid was Keith Haring. I love the pop art, the vibrant, bold, thick outlines. I, I'm always going to like that kind of style. But just to keep it interesting for myself, I'm interested to kind of see if I can push it and make it a little bit more, yeah, not 3D, but yeah, bring some light sources and shadows and stuff into it maybe. Well, you just made a physical 3D thing, right? The little, yes. Um, um, is that rubber or? It's resin. So um, Skeleton Bolts, at Skeleton Bolts, is um, a designer toy maker and a top bloke. And uh, he got in touch about a year and a half ago um, saying he'd love to collaborate on a uh, toy. And I remember when Kid Robot came out when I was like 15, 16, and I was still drawing then. I was like, oh, I'd love, like, who wouldn't want to have a toy of their, of one of their characters? And yeah, he got in touch and uh, had some ideas and, oh, there goes my ring. Um, over, <laughs> over about a year, we kind of went back and forth and um, kind of finessed the character in 3D. And then he's been working really hard and getting it to work and, you know, as a, as a 3D sculpture. And yeah, about a week ago, we, well, we, we've been painting prototypes and, fine-tuning the design because it's such a simple character that you know it really has to look perfect and we finally got there and I'm I'm stoked I love I think he's done an amazing job and he's really talented and uh, yeah we just put that for sale and um, there's been a lot of interest and I think we're going to be trying to take it to DesignerCon in California in November we've had someone get in touch about wanting to do like an exclusive colorway and it's for me it's really interesting because over the last few years I've been getting really into street art and learning about you know spray paint murals and all that but this is like a whole other industry and a whole other world that I kind of I'm discovering through uh, you know skeleton bolts Lloyd kind of introducing me to this world and it's like a whole new thing to kind of have some fun with really it is satisfying isn't it to see your work in a different kind of context as well like a new dimension for it have you done some 3d stuff uh, I guess like with woodwork stuff, that's that's what I'm referring to, like seeing my work cut out from a sheet of wood rather than just on a wall. Yeah, because your, um, your festival stage designs that you've been doing have been amazing. Thank like, you. Yeah. yeah, they're really fun to work on too. Do you make them on site or do you pre-cut the wood and then... Oh yeah, it's yeah. pretty much always on site, yeah. Yeah, and you get to, get to go to a festival, that's not bad, is it? I do, yeah. Glastonbury <laughs> was probably the highlight of my summer. Which one? Uh, this year. For uh, The Glastonbury one. You did a few, yeah. right? Oh yeah, Glastonbury was the big one. I, I also did a small one called Virgo. I went to NAS Festival, uh, Wilderness, but not painting there. Yeah, I'm gutted festival season's over, to be <laughs> honest. It's so so good. I think, yeah, your stuff lends itself so well to that kind of wooden thing, and like layered wood and cutouts and stuff. Yeah, there's so much to experiment with as well. You're constantly seeing ways you could like better it and further it, so. So do you stay quite true to your style then? So if you're making like an installation for a festival, is it still recognisably like that Frankie Strand illustrative style or, or is it a kind of different strain of things that you, you make with wood? Yeah, generally I think it is quite recognisable as my own. When I was painting this thing for Glastonbury, I wanted it to look a bit more sophisticated as I was saying, like to lose the outlines and not be so like bold and cartoony. So I had like some animals that I did outline, but the backdrop was all leafy and I used more like shading and contrast to make it stand out rather than outlines. And I was actually really happy with that. It had a bit more of a classical, like painted feel rather than a poppy kind of modern style, which was nice. So yeah, I, w I wanted to kind of ask you guys, what was the biggest hurdle you had when you were first painting murals like what what was the was it like translating in proportions or like working at height or getting like fades and like doing lines like what was the what was the key thing that made you struggle um well for me um <clears throat> the first wall i did in london was the um shoreditch art wall on great eastern street in january and it was so cold that, like I said, I was painting only, I was using Poskas, <laughs> which everyone's gonna laugh at me for. But uh, I had to prime the wall white, which took three coats and then try and do the whole thing in Posca pen. And it was so cold that each layer of paint was freezing and not drying. So 
I got up at like 5 a.m. <laughs> and you've seen I'm how big that wall is. <laughs> I, 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 my, my mate Jamie helped me out, bless him. And we got up at like 5 in the morning with a roller and a ladder that I had to buy. And we sat there and it, it took us like, you know, two and a half hours to prime the thing or an hour to prime the thing. And then we spent the next three hours just hanging out in the freezing cold on Great Eastern Street, touching the wall every now and then to see if it was dry. And it wasn't. And eventually the, the first coat would be dry and we had to paint the second coat. And I think in the end it took like nine hours just to paint that wall white. Oh and then the whole God. time that we were there, a load of artists came down the street and started painting them some hoardings with spray paint and uh, did some amazing stuff in about two and a half, three hours. And that was the moment when I was like, all right, these poskies <laughs> suck. I'm going to have to learn spray paint. And I think the challenge was having the ambition to try it and being excited about it and really wanting to go for it but realizing that my ability was lacking massively uh when i first got into spray painting i was like everyone was bound to be shit when they first started spray painting you just have to get over that and become better so you know you must know that now as well yeah no for sure um yeah, I mean, the, other than that, I mean, that was a particularly bad one, but any other challenge was more inspiring. It was kind of like, I don't know, when I, I, I tried making music for a few years and I loved it, but I was shit. And when I heard really good music, it was kind of off-putting. I was like, oh God, I'm never going to be that good. Whereas with art, I'm like, when I see art that blows my mind, that I think it's amazing, it's inspiring and it makes me want to try harder and it's more of a positive thing. So I don't know. Um, I think starting out, I really wanted it. I was really hungry and I was like, I, I want to do better and I want to do as much as I can. So I, I, I can't really think of setbacks other than trying to navigate the rules really of a scene that I wasn't familiar with. Like, you know, am I allowed to paint here? Is someone going to paint over my work while I'm asleep tonight when I need to do a second day on this? You know, is it going to be ruined before I've even finished it? Um, where do I buy paint? How much coverage can I get out of one can uh, all these things just just learning as you go but um I don't know I don't I don't remember it being off-putting or challenging just kind of really exciting to be honest nice yeah well, it sounds quite humbling to be fair like starting something and realizing that it's it's a real graft and quite difficult and you have to stand around in the cold and deal with but when you're painting that doesn't really hit you it's kind of like, like again going back to I used to draw these really detailed doodles. Like if I sat in my room trying to fill a page with black ink, it would get boring and annoying and frustrating so often that I'd probably stop. But when you're on the street, there's so much adrenaline, there's so, so many other things going on that you time just flies and you know you're it's really just... hard to stop as well isn't it i yeah. always find you step back look at it and you see all these, these things you need to do so even if you've just meant to stop for a minute suddenly you're like nope gotta do that yeah and you know you've got you know this much daylight and you know that it's going to rain potentially later and you've only got so much of that color left and all of that's just i don't know you get so swept away with the moment and the flow of painting that all, all those insecurities and doubts kind of get pushed back I guess mm. I don't know I don't really know what I'm trying to say <laughs> what was your question uh, what, what were the hurdles really I guess finding like, walls yeah finding yeah walls. that was what I was going to say actually when I first started out finding the walls was definitely one of the hardest things and like finding spots where you could paint in a relaxed enough setting that you're not constantly looking over your shoulder if you don't have permission but you can relax enough to paint something decent. So you, I mean, you, I remember we, we did a piece a few years ago together and you just said, let's paint there and there was no permission or anything. And I'm, I've been a bit, I don't know, goody two shoes or whatever. I, I, I've, I've, no, I've not wanted to go and buy all that paint and come up with a design and spend two days on something where I have no permission and I'm going to potentially yeah. piss off whoever's work it is that I'm painting over or have someone come up to me and stop me halfway through. Whereas I know, you know, it's not very street, but I know you've, you know, that's not something that's bothered you in the past? No, I guess like along the canal, I've always felt relatively relaxed. Um, I wouldn't spend like two days on an illegal piece though, because it, it, like you say, it will get painted over yeah. probably quite quickly. And it's also really bait to be like painting for two days for something you can't do. Yeah, it's a bit stupid, I guess, doing that. But I guess there's another like reward to come from doing something where you don't have permission. You've claimed a spot, which is quite, satisfying no for sure but I mean like 
I was saying about <clears throat> the struggle of finding walls. I started painting in London three years ago, and just three years ago, there were so many more spots around here. Like, you know, the, the um, gentrification of Shoreditch, like, there's hoardings everywhere. And so I, many buildings have been knocked down since yeah. I was last here as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you, there's new spots that you're saying? Uh, well, no, like, you know, Fleur de Lis Street, gone. Right. Everything's been demolished. I guess there's more hoarding, but yeah, quite a few of the spots in this area have just been. That was demolished, like, I swear, like a week ago, though. Really? I walked past it, like, most days and then i just looked around the other day and said oh shit the building's gone yeah Man, what the fuck <laughs> so strange hasn't isn't it? um nomadic gardens gone now is that like yeah yeah that's out? shut down now yeah that's why they had the big blowout a uh, couple of weekends ago mm. um that was really fun actually big up nomadic the, uh, gardens and boys did some <laughs> wicked wicked pieces yeah, yeah. it's amazing yeah finding walls i guess also carrying your equipment man like carrying your paint carrying a ladder not like injuring yourself trying to get from one spot to another that's always been a bit of a hurdle I've always ended up like carrying way more paint than I ever need and then like getting like chest pains from carrying a rucksack too heavy for me I did a piece in Camden with another artist in August and this one George came and painted next to us I was so envious because he just it's black and white so yeah. he's just got black and white and I was like he was a smart man he just turns <laughs> up he can do a piece in like two two hours he's so quick he needs a rucksack to cover carry his paint and he's he's gone again yeah that's very envious his style is wicked it's pretty crazy he gave me a good tip actually he said use marble instead of white because marble covers better than white oh really yeah. ah, good little know. tip from George then. that does make sense I guess there's this idea, because I think for a lot of people, especially um, the public and the kind of audience of street art, it probably appears quite glamorous, people traveling around the world and painting big paintings and this kind of thing. But something I've tried to bring up with artists when we do the interviews in the podcast is that the level of graft and the level of like being uncomfortable and in a filthy, sketchy place that actually goes into making the paintings is something that's not, it doesn't really reflect on Instagram. Like yeah. it's quite, I don't know, you see the best bits obviously because you see the finished piece. You don't see all the, the shit and the pain and the blood, sweat and tears that comes with it. <laughs> the shit and the pain. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean yeah. though? Like it's not, it's uh Yeah, I mean when you're painting there's definitely moments where you're like, why the fuck am I? Yeah, like kneeling down. down Sally. In, in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I could smell piss, and I'm getting hassled, and you know, why am I here? But as soon as you finish the piece, that disappears. And then when I look back on pieces that I painted a few years ago, which I know were a nightmare to paint, and I remember being cold and tired and stressed, but you kind of you can't really remember those bits. You just remember looking back on it and going, "Oh wow, that was that's yeah. pretty cool, actually." I'm, I'm kind of proud of that, and like I don't know. You it's definitely do get dirty. Like I, I hate the feeling of like filthy hands from like t touching dirty walls and paint all over your hands. It does. You do end up in some pretty. Or if you're on like places, Great Eastern Street and there's trucks and buses and lorries just constantly, and you're like on your knees near the exhaust, just yeah. huffing that in all day long. It's definitely not nice. It's fun though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's something that a lot of people. Um, if they're quite like domesticated or never kind of venture into that, probably wouldn't enjoy standing around in the cold for hours and dealing with the shit. That comes. The weird thing is, every time I get frustrated with the cold or the rain or the you know the stress that comes with trying to find a decent wall that's going to be good enough to do a cool piece on and buying all the paint or all of that, every time I get frustrated with that, I'm like, ah, I think I. I can't wait to get into a studio and just do a canvas or something. Maybe that's going to be more fun. You know, it's warm. You've got complete control. You don't have to try and do it in a day or two. You can spend longer on it. But every time I'm, I try and do that, I get bored and I, I kind of put it down. And I don't come back to it. And it's I, I struggle to kind of get as invested in it. So. I find the opposite, actually. I like to switch it up. Like, if I get tired of spray painting, I love going back to drawing and not trying to force myself to paint when I don't feel like it. And then... You know, even just sitting here, suddenly I'm like, God, yeah, I want to go crawl around in some abandoned building and do some <laughs> painting. <laughs> so thank you for the reminder of mm. how much I love it. Well, I want to do some <laughs> of that. I know a lot of you guys 
do a little road trips out of London and find some abandoned buildings and have a little paint jam. So I, that's something I haven't done yet. So I'd love to come and try that. Yeah, I think there's plenty around here we can have Let's a do it. for. Do you do either of you have a like a pinnacle low moment? While we're on the on the subject of like the hardships of it, has there ever been a point where you're like, nah, fuck this, <laughs> I don't need to go. Like this is just awful. Or have you always kind of soldiered through? You've got to keep going. I don't think you can like leave something unfinished there's definitely been things i've finished and been like i'm not happy with that but unlike most things i actually just don't dwell on it i'm like right next piece paint something better don't you know fixate on what you're not happy with um let me ponder on that question because i'm sure there's been some low points Mm. (laughs) what Um, about you my lowest point painting has been for paid commissions for like corporate clients. It was just a corporate client and it seemed on the surface like a dream job. They flew me to New York, they're gonna pay really well. They trusted in my style and everything seemed like it was gonna be perfect. And then it just bit by bit turned into a complete nightmare and it's just, you know, just the feedback and I mean, I won't go go into it, but everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Everything they promised wasn't true. Like, you know, they gave me the wrong dimensions. They said the this building site was gonna be finished. It wasn't. The access hours were different. Um, they gave me the wrong measurements, which meant I had to, I finished a whole piece that then had to be repainted because, and getting any, um, getting any re- reply from this client took like four or five days because all these different people had to kind of sign off and everything. And that was probably the lowest of the low when what seemed like a dream job and I had this really cool concept and I felt very privileged to be getting paid to do this just turned into just a horrible experience to the point where I was just you know ready to just like oh, fuck this fuck you guys kind of yeah fair play well I mean that that kind of brings me on to the, the the commercial side of painting I suppose like how do you weigh up your I, I describe it as a work life balance as such so how much are you painting uh, to make money and to do commercial jobs compared to how much are you painting for just the joy of it or to get better or to jam with your friends? I haven't got the work-life balance very nailed yet, but um, I, I, I always make time to do stuff for myself. Not so much street art at the moment just because it's quite an undertaking, you know, like packing a bag, choosing your colours. I don't want to make something just like quick anymore. I want things to be quite refined. So... I will usually do drawing for myself and if I like come up with a piece that I'm really excited to paint then I'll make the time to do it but I think doing it for work it also becomes like on Saturday I don't feel like going out painting because I've just spent the week doing that somewhere else but I think it is important as well to keep doing stuff just for yourself and for the love because that actually generates a lot I feel like the universe helps you when you do stuff like that. People approach you. People want to know what you're doing, and suddenly, you've like made more opportunity for yourself through doing something just for you. So, how how long would you say that you've been like pr- professional painting has been your main thing, like your bread and butter? Um, about three years now, I think. It's super up and down. It isn't always like a reliable source of income, but having generated the interest in London. Years ago, someone said to me, you can either do what other people want you to do for years, or you can do what you want until people pay you to do it. And I fortunately took his advice and did the second, and it actually worked out. And now people come to me for my style rather than telling me what to do, which is really nice. (laughs) Yeah, that must be a sweet position to be in. Do you find how, how do you go about getting work? Is it is it based around online things or is it based around like the the name you've built for yourself uh face to face like where do you think most of the the jobs come from it's a bit of everything actually instagram brings a lot in but then sometimes being out in the street work comes to you uh sometimes through my website sometimes through friends sometimes through global street art (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i don't know how about you james you get quite a lot of interesting commissions yeah i i think from the get-go, the plan was to try and go for it and make this what I do. And I, I have no shame in uh, doing, getting paid to paint something. I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a line. I want it to still be congruent with what I do and a brand that I believe in and you know something that I'm excited by. If it's if I don't like the brief and I don't like the brand, I'm not going to do it. But um, 
I would rather be working painting for money than doing a side job that's completely unrelated to my art because if I'm painting and getting paid for it I'm still learning and exercising that muscle and kind of you know improving um, so I see the street stuff is I mean it's amazing advertising like it's amazing advertising it's like having a free billboard up in London so I, I love painting on the street I love doing my own thing and that's nine times out of ten what makes someone want to commission me for something else um, but for me it's yeah uh, word of mouth like you know a lot of people through social media you know someone that I know might be might know someone that says oh, I need I need an artist for something and they go oh, actually I know a guy called James he might be able to help you out which is great uh, also having your you know Instagram on the streets amazing um, rambling what am I trying to say yeah the um, shameless self-promotion shameless self-promotion yeah <laughs> hashtag um, no the commercial stuff is just it's not something that I sought out I think when I started it was like right just do as much as you can on the street learn get better improve your style find your style you know as much as you can paint bigger and better walls and then through that slowly just organically commissions would kind of fall into my lap and it's just been word of mouth and, and it's gone from strength to strength and um, it's gone to it's got to a point where I can be a bit picky which is nice but at the same time um, I'm now at a point where I would rather just be paying for myself and you know I, it's, I want to kind of um, start doing some canvases and just I don't know what am I trying to say? Creative freedom. Yeah, but incredibly grateful when someone trusts you to want to pay you a lot of money to, to paint for them, whether it's for an event, a hotel, a bar, a restaurant, whatever. Um, it's really f nice when someone approaches you with a brief and an idea and they're excited and they get you excited and you can kind of uh, collaborate with them on, you know, maybe they've got an idea and you can tell them why that's maybe not the best way to go about it and you can show them what you do and yes yeah, I mean it's fun and also after the first you know six seven months of painting on the street the first time I got commissioned to paint in a bar in the dry in the warm was amazing it's oh wow I've got control of the light and the weather and everything and there's a bar there so I can get a drink whenever I want and uh, I don't have to watch my bag from yeah I don't have to watch my bag and there's a toilet right there and they've given me the keys so if I want to stay late I can keep painting I can put some music on and yeah I love it I, I love I love both and um, also the quickly the best thing about getting commissioned is sometimes you'll be asked to do something that's totally out of your style and skill set like I got asked a few years ago to paint a menu for a fast food restaurant and I had to kind of come up with like fried chicken and burgers and donuts and milkshakes and stuff stuff that I've never drawn but it was a fun challenge and it kind of pushed me in that direction and then you kind of strengthen your skill set drawing yeah, other things I remember seeing that actually. which you can then bring back to what you do in your personal style and it improves your personal work yeah. so one feeds the other and uh yeah yeah actually i got asked to paint a chicken van for like a chicken brand absurd bird and they had a lorry and they asked me to paint chickens and i wouldn't really paint chickens usually but it came out really well and it was just like being given that brief i was forced to find a way to paint chickens and and you probably like found a way to paint feathers that you hadn't done before that you yeah. now can use for your personal work and stuff. yeah sure yeah. very yeah. rambly isn't it <laughs> rambly podcast well I, I think that's I mean that's the nature of podcasts really yeah. I, I, I don't want it to be too like we were saying earlier it's just amazing how quickly question it's amazing like, how quickly you forget the question when you start <laughs> talking <laughs> that's what I found. well that, that's I suppose that's the the idea I mean I can always bring it back of, of no, it's, notes. It's, um <laughs> Which I will refer to now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how, in terms of social media and stuff, and having Frankie Strand and shoots, how important is is building like a self brand for you guys, or do you not think about it that much, or or, or are you really precious about the way you create and publicly face what you do online? I'm not overly worried about the social media but when it comes to my art and my style I think it's something I can overthink because you very quickly through feedback from social media and people you meet on the street you figure out what it is you're doing that people are really responding to and what people really like and then it's hard not to kind of steer your style towards that 
Um, and I think these days, because there's so many artists, there's so much social media, there's a lot of, pr not pressure, but people are encouraged almost to find the thing they do and make that your thing, which can be quite stifling and, and um, kind of box you in a little bit. And so... I think you can end up kind of pigeonholing yourself. Yeah. Here, but if you're aware of that, you can also be like, hey, surprise, I can paint burgers as well. Right, exactly. <laughs> or, or pluck chickens or something. But... <laughs> but um, so what was the question again? <laughs> uh, He's done it again. How important is... Um, yeah, I think it's good to have a brand. You, you've got to stand out. You want people to see your stuff and go, oh, that's Frankie, or, you know, that's Juice, whatever. Um, but I think, I guess the secret's not think or being self-conscious of that or not letting that dictate what you do. Yeah. Which I sometimes think I is, struggle with. I think it is important to be aware of your brand. Um, and social media is a really useful tool. Like it's not really something you want to be spending loads of time on and thinking about, but it's also business and it does help you. So I, I guess I'd advise any like budding artists to definitely try and plug their like social media, but just to not take it too seriously either and just like have fun yeah, with but it. What if like, for example, if the first time you painted flamingos, everyone just goes nuts for it and goes, oh, wow, we love the flamingos. It's You're going to then be subconsciously go, oh, maybe I should paint some more flamingos yeah. and it, it can dictate your style or the direction you take the stuff in. Yeah, definitely. Cause while, like last year I got a bit bored of my style and I wanted to start painting like statues in black and white, but I knew that would be kind of damaging to like my brand under my name, given that it's so different. So I kind of kept that as like a personal project just for me. So yeah, I think you do have to be aware of your brand, but it's also quite interesting to switch it up because like, you know, for example, when I saw your piece with all the coral and stuff, it's like, oh wow, that's totally different, but it's his style and it, it works really well and you can see the progress and, and that's really exciting, I think, to see in anyone's work. But again, that, that comes from getting given a brief. You're talking about the, the ocean one? Yeah. Yeah, they, they said do something ocean related. So it's like, okay, and it's, yeah, that's back to what we were saying before about commissions, like being, given a direction that you otherwise wouldn't have thought of uh, painting. But I guess the one thing with the social media that I start thinking about is 90% of people are probably not seeing them, these walls in person large, how they're meant to be seen and all the details, they're seeing it on a screen. And I think there's certain styles or artworks that work better on a screen, whether it's like a face of a pretty woman, which seems, you know, like there's certain trends or, you know, ain't, not angel wings, but you know what I mean? Like there's certain things not angel wings. Not angel wings. Definitely Never not angel, angel wings. wings. Don't like mention the angel's wings. But like, <laughs> what, I'm what I'm trying to say is, so some of the stuff I do, like that coral piece you're talking about, is like, there's lots of, it's busy. It's busy and there's lots of, yeah. which doesn't translate very well on a phone screen. So the one thing I wonder is whether social media will kind of push for a star that works better on a screen. You know what I mean? Mm. If it kind of like starts to, yeah, well, that's the platform, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an odd thing to take a massive mural and then condense it down to a, a, a couple of inches on the screen But that's and expect the, it to have the same impact. But that's what I'm worried about. I don't want to change my style to suit a phone screen. You mm. know what I mean? Keep you want to, or you don't based. want to. Don't want to. No. Yeah. But I think it looks fine down a phone screen. Like that piece I just referred to, I definitely saw through my phone and was impressed. Okay. So thank you Frank. don't worry too much about that <laughs> would you guys ever consider creating like a pseudonym or a separate brand if you wanted to start an entirely different set of artwork or would you be happy to bring in something that's completely different style into your current like uh, you know self-promotion as such yeah as I just referred to with the statues and stuff I did consider it but I thought it would be too damaging uh, I did want to start writing under the name Obelisk, which I thought was quite an interesting name. Um, paint like really spooky, statuey things. But what kind of statues? Like Greek? Yeah, statues? yeah, exactly. Like yeah, Greek statues and yeah, just really like moody, style. creepy things. I just yeah, I guess I could probably make it work in my style, what but I was afraid losing the colour would distort it loads. But in the end, it was born out of a place of being really tired and not feeling like painting. So I never actually got around to painting any statues because I didn't feel like painting. And then it came back and I started painting like pelicans and flamingos and 
the love was there again for my own work so it never got that far mm. but yeah back to the question i wouldn't i wouldn't confuse You'd brands keep them quite separate. yeah i think so because i suppose moody and creepy is like the antithesis of your style like i'd say your style is quite <laughs> like upbeat and like colorful and inspirational and that kind of thing yeah um, but i do remember uh probably about this time last year you, you saying you were kind of in a rut like was it you were just about to go to Denmark or Sweden or something? And I remember you being really like, oh, I don't know what to do with the painting. Like, I'm not sure where I'm going to take this. I and think then came back perhaps, like, yeah, I'm going to paint loads of shit. I, uh, I had a big commission in Austria and it was like a whole building. It took a week with help. We, we kind of really gunned it and like tried to get it done fast. And it was lots of climbing up and down scaffolding and it was exhausting and after that was when I was like I don't want to paint and this this is when I started taking an interest in statues and stuff but it was actually after I was doing a commission with GSA for benefit um, just working on a wall for someone else's work like doing someone else's design gave me that urge to paint my own thing and then it was after that I started painting again for myself so it's actually yeah almost exactly a year to now that mm -hmm. that came back yeah, it was. What, just maybe a month, like 13 months ago? Yeah. It was when Mac Miller died. We were up in... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, we yeah. were in Brighton the day he died, weren't we? hungover and, like, really sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bit of a tangent. Um, so what was the job in Austria? Were you the lead artist? Was this, like, a Frankie Strand production? The Frankie Strand production. <laughs> yeah, uh, Henrix invited me over for a festival, and I painted one wall two walls of this guy's house with like seahorses, sea dragons. And the guy liked them so much, he wanted to commission me to come back and do it. So it was like, I had kind of free range to paint the whole building. Um, but it was the first thing I'd done at that scale and it was really challenging. I think I compromised a bit to fit his vision as well. I think going on something so big, I should have gone bigger, but he asked me if I could sort of paint the seahorses in perspective and make them going away, that, if that makes sense. So You're saying you'd have done one bigger seahorse as opposed to the smaller ones? Yeah, probably. I mean, it would have clashed a bit with the size of the other ones on the other parts of the building, but to shrink them just meant when I stepped back, it was a little bit underwhelming. So having spent a week climbing and in the sun and getting all dirty and exhausted just to step back and be like, oh, I actually thought that was going to come out a bit better. It was I kind of I, defeating. I, I thought it looked amazing. I was Thank blown you. away by it. Everyone really else has said no, that too. I, think I remember seeing it and being like, too. wow, she's like totally up in her game and like she's knocked it out of the park. Like, I thought it was oh, really you. good. It was awesome. Yeah, I am proud of it now. Like the video that came out of it, it's like, wow, I, I made that. But, you know, you are your own worst critic. And yeah. You're only going to see the little tiny things that only you notice. Yeah. No one else does kind of. Well, that's something I have to remind myself of quite a lot because um, obviously my background is film and photography uh, and I'm not a painter, but because I've spent a year now hanging around with, well, seeing lots of people paint lots of murals, I think I'm a bit desensitized to it. And so I, I actively take a moment to be like, wow, I'm standing in front of like a five-story painting of a monkey. Like, <laughs> this is not a normal day at the office. Like, I, I try and be quite grateful for how unique what I'm observing is. Yeah, but um, what, you, what you do is painting as well though. I mean filmmaking is like, you know, t getting footage, choosing lenses, choosing the angles, Don't editing Don't like you it. haven't primed a wall What's, as well. What sound? <laughs> definitely buffed some walls. Yeah. I know that's, so that actually taking back to the, the satisfaction thing, even, um, you know, massive wall, it's got to be one colour, get some tunes on, get that wall buffed I, you feel so satisfied afterwards I mean I'm not I'm not do you know what I mean it's just like wow that wall is, is one massive colour smashed it yeah. <laughs> what, what do you enjoy more filming or editing uh, I mean I, my background's well I studied film but I'd say I'd describe myself as a photographer like right. that stills is like where I think I uh, shine and where I excel but so, which is why I don't paint or draw much because I'm around people who are like amazing at painting and drawing and I don't want to like change lanes and be like oh I'm going to try this and then realise oh shit everyone's like five ten years ahead of me already um, 
but yeah I think photography is is the one for me um oh morals so I wanted to ask <laughs> sound like you just spun a wheel <laughs> <laughs> he looked morals. at me when he said morals as well <laughs> made me nervous myself. landed on <laughs> morals because um I've definitely given the whole photography spiel on a couple of podcasts. Okay. So I'm sorry, listeners. I'm terribly sorry. I'll have to catch up on the old podcast (laughs) to get your two cents. Um, So in terms of commercial work, how do you... Have you ever had many, like, moral challenges to things you will or will not accept? Like, have you ever had briefs from companies where you're just like, nah, fuck that, like, I'm not working for them? Or have you ever kind of been like, "Mm, I'm not sure, I'll give it a go... And then, I mean, I guess does does morality affect the way you do your commercial work? I suppose it it a hundred percent would if that was to come up. Um, I've not been approached by like I don't know like a tobacco company or you know the the kind of obvious choices for like a moral dilemma. But the ones I have turned down in the past is when someone's asking me to basically replicate another artist's style or, or artwork, which is just obviously a no, or when. They're just not so much moral. It's just when it's like, nah, just this is not for me. But yeah, I guess there's been a couple recently where they're asking me to do something that's basically ripping off another artist's style. That's not my style at all. But yeah, if it was a brand that um, was massively unethical or shady, then it would it'd be very tricky I'd almost definitely say no unless they gave me like the most wonderful freeing brief in the world with you know untold resources but then again I guess probably not I don't know it's uh, for me it's been a hypothetical thing as well like oh if I was approached by Coca-Cola would I take the job does that clash with my morals uh, and I spoke to a lot of other people about it trying to gain other people's stance on it you know people I respected I'd be like would you take a job with Coca-Cola I was always quite surprised when people were like, yeah. But, you know, things like that often make it possible for you to spend way more time on your own doing stuff that you believe in. But, yeah, I don't know, it maybe tarnishes your brand as well. I did have a potential commission with Red Bull, but in the end, the result I just wasn't happy with, so I just forfeited the money and wouldn't sign the contract and... Let it, let it die. What was... Sorry, this, I hope this isn't off topic. You did that amazing stop-motion commercial in the warehouse where you were painting... It looked like you painted like 100 murals. Oh, no, that wasn't me. What? I don't think okay, so. Edit that bit out. Sorry. I'm pretty sure that was you. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to ask you after this. I'm pretty sure that was you. I saw you post it. It's like a... I think I know the one you're talking about, but no. I can't remember what brand it's for. Okay. It's for a pretty big brand, though. It might even be like Mountain Dew or something. No, it was like a, it was like a drinks thing, and you, you painted a mural that looked like stop motion. I, I think Ali Hamish and Jane Mutiny might have done that one. I swear one. that was you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> but it's, it's quite an interesting one, because obviously that's the, where the money and the resources are are with bigger companies which I think is probably where the, the moral considerations would come in more well define like morally dubious what would you consider morally um, dubious so for example like you uh, like you said about a tobacco company yeah or okay. if if say you held like strongly like vegetarian so, beliefs and you were asked to do a job for McDonald's right. or something like I was just wondering if you guys had ever well I, I wouldn't do I would I <laughs> I'd like to say that I wouldn't do a job for McDonald's out of moral obligation, but really, I think it would be because it would be like career suicide, really. You just have to ask for shitloads of money. It'd just be like, it's just, just such a like sh- stupid that, idea yeah. as an artist to kind of have your stuff at McDonald's, wouldn't it? It just kind of, I just don't think it's a good idea, is it? Yeah, but you know, it might be hard to turn down if they offer you loads of money. It's just, yeah. Well, everyone's got Whether a price. Like association. There's, there's, there's a famous story that I keep telling people. There was, um, I heard, I think it was Morgan Stanley or JP Morgan, like a huge New York bank that had moved to a new central office in Manhattan and they were looking at artists to come and paint a mural for them in their lobby and they approached a female artist who was um, massively successful by her, by her own right at that point. You know, She didn't need the fame or the publicity or the money. She was a very famous painter. And they asked her to do a mural in their lobby, and because it was a huge central bank, she said ten mil. What? She just quoted ten Who million. Who was it? Uh, I, you have to look it up. I can't remember her name, but she said ten million. 
knowing she was one of like a few artists in the running for the job and they said yes and she got paid 10 million 10 million you she just had the, she had the guts again. to just go 10 mil yeah because she knew it was a big central bank and she probably didn't agree with them their morals or their policy but she thought they've got loads of money i i can this gives me a load of freedom fuck it 10 mil and they said I yes and yeah the, and if you can make peace with yourself doing that then you have the conviction to just like brush off anyone else's comments but if well you, i suppose yeah. that's the kind of like when you get a you know it's an unattractive quote right like you, you give them a quote because you know they're not going to pay it and then they're like oh shit yeah we'll pay 10 million damn <laughs> you're like <laughs> i'm about to make 10 million <laughs> oh shit um okay so i wanted to move away slightly from the the commercial bits and uh talk about collaborations because i think both of you are quite on it with the collaborating with other artists just what well, i i feel like saying just for fun isn't the right phrase but you know like it, it's a non-commercial kind of thing like when when did you start painting murals with other artists and being like right this is a collab i guess like if you get a bit bored or if you get a bit lonely or you meet someone and you're like yeah let's paint together it's just like it's social it challenges you it's just Bit, bit nicer really isn't it to work with someone else well, I think you were the first person I collaborated with because I was still new I didn't really know anyone I was trying to you know find people in the scene that were doing similar stuff and I thought your style was something that I could you know related to within my own style it's like, yeah. you know, for example I wanted to learn how to outline and spray paint and I saw that you were doing that and you were doing you know like you said kind of similar cartoony stuff so I reached out to kind of learn from you really and I did learn a lot that day that I painted with you. And I think that's that's the appeal of reaching out when when you when you're new is like you learn so much. Like I, I recently did a collaboration with uh, Ten Hundred, the American artist. Um, he put a YouTube video out. I mean, he's killing it on YouTube and social media and business in general. But he YouTube started showing me his videos and suggesting them. I started watching his videos and he seemed like a really cool really cool guy. And I admired his work ethic. And he, in the, at the end of a video, he said, I want to do a European trip. If any artists out there can hook me up with a place to stay or, um, you know, some walls or whatever, like get in touch. So I just sent him an email and said, you know, I'd, you know, I'd love to, you can crash at mine. I'd love to paint with you. And he was really open to that idea and um, gave me like a whole month to find some walls. And it was amazing painting with this guy because not, not just from a street art point of view, like I learned all these tricks, like turning your can upside down, letting all the air out to lower the pressure. Never knew that, that was amazing. The thing everyone's gonna laugh at me for, didn't know that if you smash the cap on a Belton, it leaves the colored ring. So oh you... yeah, it took me years to learn that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Was, <laughs> I've been wasting like an hour a day like reading the color of every single can. He was like, you idiot, just smash the can. <laughs> Those little tips are amazing to pick up. And also, being able to go to the bathroom or go grab a coffee without having to pack all your stuff up. But also, yeah, just collaborating, you learn you can talk to them about, you know, how do you manage your finances? How do you manage your website? How do you, do you, have you thought about merch? Like, do you know anyone that can get a good deal on paint? Like, it's really uh, beneficial, I think, to collaborate and, because you just learn so much. And uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy collaborating and I'm open to collaborating often. Because again, like, when you get into a bit of a rut or you get, you think your star's getting stale, it just freshens it up again. Like, yeah. I think. On a wider scale as well, like quite often if I've travelled to a new city or if I'm going somewhere alone, I'll look up street art in that area, artists in that area, and then I'll reach out to local artists. And even if we don't collaborate, more often than not, they will tell you where to buy your paint, where's a safe spot to paint, places to check out. You know, when I was in Kuala Lumpur, I, I met up with uh, Nessa, N-E-S-Y-R and Cloakwork and it was just like such a great day because then you've got someone on the inside next thing you know we're jumping in a car going to a paint shop I never would have found we found an abandoned school we're painting in there off your own back you're never going to know how to do that especially not in an Asian country and meeting up with artists that are local just gives you such a inside experience and it's really like life affirming I think to meet people and see what a network you can make as an artist. That's the, I think the most jealous I've been of anyone since I've started, <laughs> since I've started doing street art was you going to Sri Lanka and just painting for months, what felt like months. It's like cold winter days and like raining in London. And every time I looked at your 
fucking Instagram. She's still there. She's still on the beach. Oh, man, don't. I'm not going it's back been this like year. Months. Calling yeah, me. I mean, that is, that's 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 time well spent. I think skipping winter here and painting in Sri Lanka for like a few months. That was amazing. Yeah, but it's so easy to do. I'd recommend it oh, to any artist that wants to it. travel cheap. Because it's getting cold and I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Put me up. Let's go. <laughs> Have you found? Uh, did, was it quite an easy thing to? Um, kind of get into that community or, or did you ever even feel like an outsider or did it always feel quite natural being able to just hit people up and be like hey I paint let's do something I guess at first when I first began painting I I didn't have a network and it was only through like coincidence I bumped into a bunch of people painting met them and then it kind of snowballed and I met loads of people and from then on I wasn't really shy about asking to meet I did occur is the right word? Never mind. Um, I did come across people that I would message for collaborations and they might be like, uh, yeah, we can meet, but I probably won't paint. And looking back, they probably just didn't want to collaborate because they're better than me. And I don't know, <laughs> maybe if someone approached me whose work I didn't like, that would be my polite way to help them without collaborating with them if I didn't feel like it. Um, but I'd, I've never found it difficult to reach out to people, no. Well, it's quite a, a special thing that um, street artists have access to, really. Because obviously you're quite a well-travelled person. Uh, how much of your travelling has been related to street art? Do you always incorporate painting in, into where you're travelling? Or do you, are you sometimes just like, nah, fuck it, I'm travelling, that's what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of both. I've found in hot countries it's really hard to paint, especially if you're doing something quite big that's going to take at least a day or two after 11 o'clock and the sun's fully up it's such a labor it's like it's made me quite grateful to come back to england and paint in a normal temperature but i feel like when you visit another city you kind of can't really leave without leaving a mark although i've also found like ah, oh, i'm on holiday and i've just spent three days in some dingy place painting this wall just because i wanted to kind of leave a mark so yeah it's a bit of both I guess you've got to have some approach. new time, right? Yeah. Nice. Um, cool. Well, I think we've, we've just hit an hour, really. Um, we, can, you guys... we can keep going. I'm not yeah. in a hurry. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so I, I was going to ask as well, how important is uh, digital design for your guys' work? Like, or, or are you quite analog kind of people? Like, or do, you, or do you design stuff digitally beforehand and are you quite comfortable working in that realm and then translating that to a painting? Or you mean for like street art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, when I started out, I have a very rough sketch and then, I mean, when I started using colour, I was using acrylic, but as I started using spray paint, I think the first time I did a spray paint wall without planning, I was literally going to the shop and picking colours based on the cap and be like, oh yeah, that's a nice blue and then you turn up and it's nothing like the blue that you picked and the whole thing, the whole, things a mess so yeah increasingly plan the hell out of it um, take a picture of the wall figure out the dimensions figure out you draw to that scale cherry pick the colors from the color chart that the spray paint brands yeah. provide so you can figure everything out because the one thing I found is the more prep and the more planned my pieces and the more I know that it, if, if you know it looks great on a screen then there's no stress when you're painting because you know that all that time and energy and money and spray paint is going to be worth it and that it's going to actually turn out great because you've got a solid sketch to begin with. Having said that, I've also recently done a few pieces with no plan and that's also a lot of fun as well. But um, I think if you're going to spend two or three days on a piece or, or longer and if, you know, like Frankie is going to do a whole building and you're spending hundreds of pounds on spray paint, then definitely plan it because you'll enjoy painting a lot more I think if, I think you can you relax plan. more if yeah. you know that you've drawn something to scale like with the dimensions in mind and as you said like getting the paint colors from the paint shop website and putting that on your photoshop image I always prefer being quite well planned at least having a good sketch like you can freestyle stuff if it's just a quick piece but generally it will come out better if you plan because I've, I've been like halfway through before and been like ah this is shit and I don't know what to do what if I change that and then you start trying to make things better and every time you try you're wasting paint 
and now you might run out of the colour you need and then you're like, oh no, I need to get some more of that colour. Yeah, it's just it's the more the less guesswork at the wall the better. I, I guess it's different if you're collaborating though, because someone would be like, Oh, we could try this, we could put this in and then you get like really interesting yeah. new things. But But that's that's fun, that's a whole different like flex, I guess. Like, yeah, I but suppose. If, if you're yeah, I mean, if we you went down like League Street or something, you just want to let's just have some fun. What do you feel like doing? But if you've got an idea in mind and you spent all that money and you're going to spend two or three days on it, and you haven't got, I don't know, I like having a plan. Yeah. Do you come armed with? Because there's that app, right? You can take a photo of the wall and then layer your design. Yeah, I've just started using that recently. It. What's um, it called? No, there's a few. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it, yeah, you do the whole doodle grid thing, and then yeah, I've never tried that. It's good. It's good. I mean, I recommend it. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good technique because gridding with like squares, there's all that dead space in the middle of each square, and you've got to measure. Also, everything. the amount of time it takes to measure yeah, like meter squares and then mark them up. Mm. I yeah. remember um, uh, Oust and uh, you know Agua. Mm-hmm. They were I was helping them paint in a festival in Wales. And we'd spent all day like chalk lining this massive grid out. The wall was like maybe like 15, 20 meters wide. Like it was huge. And uh, as soon as we'd done gridding, it just started raining and the <laughs> oh, whole no, thing just done it in chalk. Oh, <laughs> man. We should have, I suppose, been putting bits of paint as references all the way along. How long yeah. did that take to, to oh, chalk it? Hours, man. And it was just, I mean, I'm not even a painter and I was depressed. Right. I was like, I need a beer. I'm just going to put down. <laughs> but, um, oh, no, 100% yeah. doodle grid. The whole doodle grid thing's amazing. Because you can get super specific as well. Like, a lot of people just fill the wall with random shapes, but, or you just do the alphabet or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then you can tell that, like, okay, the that I aligns with the bottom of the seven and the mouth's next to the G or the A or what, whatever scribble you've put in that position. And it is really efficient. Yeah, I'll have to try that sometimes. Yeah. Beer break. <laughs> oh, I really need a wee. Literally. <laughs> going to edit that out. Uh, do you guys want to talk, talk amongst yourselves for a second? Yeah. So we we're talking about planning uh, in terms of individual pieces and how prepared you like to be, but how much do you plan ahead for like the coming year or the coming couple of years, or is it quite like go with the flow kind of thing? Yeah, for me, I don't, I can't plan a year ahead. Like I'd love to. Sometimes I've submitted uh, festival proposals, but other than that, it's usually like I'm approached for something a few weeks before they want it done. It's hard to say. I have tried thinking about like a five-year plan, but just gave up on that because I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, for me, the plan is always just to try and be more productive than the year before. Like I think the first year that I started doing this, I thought I'd done loads, and then I started listening to loads of podcasts and meeting loads of other artists and getting more, paying more attention to the, the scene or whatever, and other artists and what they were doing. And I suddenly realised that what I'd done wasn't actually loads, and I could do better and I could do more so each year I'm trying to do more and uh, do better and that's I guess the plan I think next year the plan is really to do more canvas or original artwork and make more stuff that I can sell and not spend so much time money and energy on stuff I can't uh, just pra- for practical reasons like I'm saving up for a wedding and I w- you know I want to really start doing more of my own work and less commission stuff so um the plan is just to yeah there's not a specific plan of what I want to do next year but I know I want to do more and be more productive and make better use of my time I guess that's so you like, feel inspired to like increase your work rate and just Yeah every year I feel like in. every year I feel like I could I could have done more and next year I want to make sure I I do more and just yeah be efficient with my time I guess which sometimes needs a, a brief and a commission because I, I, I'm a lot better when I get told what to do and I get given a deadline. But yeah, just, just keep working harder and do more each year and just push it in the right direction, I guess. Nice, man. What's your new, new Year's resolution? 
made in October. Oh, <laughs> gosh, I don't know. I guess just to paint some new animals. Like, I'm kind of tired of doing crocodiles and flamingos. So next I want to do, like, some bats and saluki dogs, which are, like, very long-faced dogs. They've got... They're cool as hell. Where do saluki dogs live? What's a saluki dog? I've I think heard. they're owned by Pull like really wealthy people <laughs> with estates. They've got like oh. long white hair, long face, kind of like a greyhound. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think they're like really a cloud awesome. crossed oh, with a greyhound. Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. Like, like the yeah. Dougal from oh, the yeah. Magic Roundabout. See, if only we would Joe Rogan had a projector. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> see, if only. But yeah, I know, I know exactly the kind of dog you mean. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Wicked. Um. So, where can people find your guys' work online? Because I didn't want to go too specifically into like what you do and why you do it. Like, you paint animals, obviously, and you do the cartoony stuff. Like, I feel that's obviously people will be able to work that out when they see your stuff. Mm-hmm. So, where can they find it? Uh, FrankieStrand.com or my Instagram is Frankie underscore Strand. Uh, my website is ChutesArt.com, C H O O T S. And confusingly, my Instagram is James Tutor, uh, C H U T E R. Nice. Nice. Wicked. Well, thank you guys for doing this. It's thank like, you for having us. I, I always have a lot of fun when we do this kind of stuff. And it's nice just to sit and have a relatively uninterrupted conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for all the listeners, uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the Wars Can Talk series. Um, I think we're going to have a rethink and a potential rebrand in the new year but we'll see what happens yeah thanks for having us peace bye